Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys. Alrighty. Yeah, I think I'm with you in the, uh, what a worship set. Yeah. My Lord, does anybody ever ask themselves, like, how does that sound come out of Amy and Alex? Like, is anybody yes. else? Like, yeah, it's just, like, I get it. You can learn, like, math and, like, you know, musical theory and stuff. But, like, singing? I am so toned up. Uh, it's true. Yeah. Can't teach that. Can't teach it. I was about to say it. Anyways, so, um, but, yeah, it was incredible. Can we just give it up for our worship crew? Yeah. <laughs> the entire way. I just feel like our team was just ministering to every single one of us right where we were at the discretion and direction of God. Amen. Like, I feel so full. I feel so ready. I'm ready to preach. Are you ready for the Word of God? Yes! Fantastic. If it's your first time here, just want to say hello. My name is Matt. Uh, my beautiful wife, Adrienne, who's a little, uh, tall Amazon lady up here, taller than me, prettier than me, better than me, everywhere. Um, <laughs> we are the lead pastors here at TakeOver. It's so good to have you guys here this morning. Um, but yeah, we are currently in a series called Dunamis. Somebody say Dunamis. Dunamis. You got to say it just like that. Say Dunamis. Dunamis. I don't even know where I was at with that. But anyways, so Dunamis is a series that we've been in now for a total of, I think, six weeks at this moment. And Dunamis is literally the Greek word that you will see in the Bible. Whenever you're in the Bible, you read the word power. Okay. Yes. Wherever you read the word power, it's this Greek word dunamis, and dunamis literally means like power, and it's power is great, but power is an oversimplification. It literally means the very definition of dunamis in its original language in the Greek is ability. Yes. So we're not just praying for God's power, we're not just praying for God's presence, we're not just believing for God's uh, tangible parts to show up here, we're actually believing for God's living, tangible, physical ability yes. to fall on his people, amen? Yes. Come on somebody, if it's been made available to us, then we have a responsibility to pursue it, amen? Yeah. Come, on. Come on, so we're preaching this morning a message I call, are you ready? Partakers in Dunamis. Partakers in Dunamis. I don't know why I have to say it that way, but I can't pronounce partakers, partake, without the space in there, okay? It's not three, it's not four words, it's three words. Partakers in Dunamis. I just did it. I was excited. All right, y'all ready for the Bible? Yes. Sir. Fantastic. Second Peter 1, 3 through 11. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to come on the Sky Bible up here. Come on, headed up by the amazing Nat the Goat in the back. Yeah. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11. Y'all ready? Yes. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who is called to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Yeah. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Amen. Jesus Christ. Y'all mind if we pray? Yeah, let's go. Father God. Father God, I don't know that there's anything else to say this morning. I don't know what there is. I know, though, that you have given me an assignment. I know that you've given us house an assignment. I know this morning, God, right now, you're checking our work, checking our homework, and you are looking for faithful people, God. So wherever we are right now, God, we just give you all the say so you can have all of your way. We give you all of the say so that you can have all of your way. In this moment, Holy Spirit, we hand the service over to you. We ask that you would just come, that you would rush into this place, God. Today, Father God, I don't want to leave looking like Matt McClure. I don't want to leave sounding like Matt McClure. I don't want to leave as me today, God. Please shape us, form us, transform us in the image and likeness of your Son, Jesus. Yes, Lord. We are here for you, Father God. Come and have your way. Come and have the final say. In Jesus' mighty name, a faithful church said. Amen. Amen. Partakers in Dunamis. Partakers in Dunamis. So here we go. We got Peter. How many people in here know that Matt loves Peter? Yep. Matt loves Peter. Why? Because Peter's Matt. Peter is Matt. Through and through, much to my chagrin and probably his, uh, we are very much the same. So I identify with Peter. So here's Peter. Peter is actually leading a church. Peter is leading a church in Asia of all places at this moment. This is his second time writing to his church while he's off you know, doing awesome apostle stuff. And he is writing to his church in this moment. But little thing that you've got to know about Peter here at Takeover Church, we're new with us. We firmly believe that context is king, context brings clarity, and context brings out what God literally meant. Okay, like if you can believe these things about these people, you can believe what God can do through people like you. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, and people like me. That's the whole point. If I can believe what God is able to do in Peter, I can believe what God is able to do in Matt. Wanna know why? Because Peter, Peter was a disciple of Jesus. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. Prior to that, Peter was also a fisherman. While being a disciple of Jesus, homeboy decided to cut off a guard's ear because they were trying to take Jesus away right around this time. Okay, this is right when Easter and everything's about to go down. What would end up happening after that is Jesus told him, but you, sir, Simon Peter, you will deny me. Not once, not twice, but three times. Okay, this is, this is the day that Jesus is going to the cross, okay? Like, like you're going to deny me before the day is over, you're going to deny me three times. Because Guess what Peter did? Even with foreknowledge that it would happen. He denied Jesus three times. Denied him right in front of him. But the same Peter would also then be found watching Jesus be crucified. He would leave. He would leave. He didn't sit around and wait for the miracle. He didn't stay there and mourn. He left. And what ended up happening is that Peter ends up going back to being a fisherman. What happens next in Peter's story real quick? Is that the same misfit, rebel, ragtag fisherman would also go on to lead the greatest revival 
in our world's history called the early church. He was so clothed in dynamis, God's power, God's ability, that God actually would go on to use this same guy who denied Peter three times. He would use his very shadow because of his faithfulness to heal people in the streets. The same Peter, the same misfit, the same ragtag who went back to fishing for fish instead of continuing to fish for men. This same guy is now leading a global movement in this moment. A Jewish fisherman is leading a church in Asia. Talk about radical obedience. Talk about radical faithfulness. Talk about who our God is and what he is able to do with hearts and hands fully surrendered. Amen? Amen. So we got to know all this because this really sets up what Peter says in this moment. Because so often, you and me, you and me, trust me, I am as human, if not more than probably you, but you and I, we are so prone, so prone and plagued, almost fell over, that we will go, yeah, but that's Jesus. Yeah, but that was Jesus. Yeah, he did that, he said that, but he was Jesus, okay? When we go to Peter, when we go to Paul, when we go to Thomas, when we go to Simon, when we go to all these other guys, guess what? There ain't no excuses left. Shoot, if Peter says you can do it, if Peter was able to do it, then you and I have a responsibility to pursue it, amen? So here we go, partakers of Dynamis. Here we go, Peter, he starts off, he's writing to his church once again in Asia, obviously a completely different context, completely different culture than he's used to. He's been to Rome, he's been in Israel, he's been doing all these things, and here he is in Asia. Obviously, we know, I'm sure most people here understand world history, they're entrenched in all of these different beliefs. They have got gods and signs and all these other things for every single month on the calendar. All sorts of things that they believe in, all sorts of things that they're doing over there. And so, Peter, speaking to a place that I would say is a bit more, probably messed up, a bit more confused, a bit more torn apart than America is today, part of the lead, given the division and the craziness in our country. But he's writing and he says this, he says, God in his dynamis, right? He says, in his divine power, in his divine power, God in His divine power, His divine ability, His dynamis, He has given us all things available to us that pertain to life and Godliness. Peter's pulling no punches in this moment. He's saying, no, 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 no. Everything that you've seen, everything you've been believing, to put this in America context, everything you've seen in the church for the last 2,000 years, everything you've seen in this country for the last 200 years, everything you've been believing, you were raised, you were taught up to, if it does not, if it does not transfer to all things in life and godliness being made available to you through the dynamic, dynamis nature of God. And it has fallen short of what Jesus did on that cross. Right. He says, all things that pertain to life and godliness have now been made available to you. I love that. I love that because as an American Christian, it's just like, ooh, he's not fuzzy. He's not warm and fuzzy. That's really cool. That's awesome. He's going to supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory Christ Jesus. 
He's going to bail me out of bed. He's going to come in and make me stop watching pornography. He's going to stop me from having just promiscuous sex with anybody I feel like. And I, and I start to think about all things that pertain to life and godliness, and I just go, wow, that's great. I'm going to have a picket fence in Rockford? In a minivan? Five kids? Maybe by our center? I'm going to have two dogs and a cat, and they're going to get along perfectly. My kids are going to go to Christian school, and it's going to be great. Maybe I'll homeschool one of them once I realize Christian school, you know. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Truly, that cannot be all that Jesus died for. Truly, that cannot be all that Jesus died for. Jesus, you simply went to the cross so that I would cuss a little less or I'd just get better at hiding my cussing. <laughs> Truly, Jesus, you just went to the cross so that I could actually just survey the room, no children, keep it in my pants. That's what he went to the cross for. That was the whole purpose of heaven invading earth, tearing the veil from the top to the bottom. You went simply so that I knew how to vote every four years? Surely, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, that can't be all things that pertain to life and godliness. You see, the reason I'm saying that is because I feel like we read this, we read the scripture, we read this verse, and we get excited. We get excited. We're like, yeah, that's amazing. We get excited, but how many of us actually tap into all things available to us that pertain to life and godliness? How many of us would actually declare today, don't raise your hands, that we would tap into that? That we do. That we actually take full advantage of this dynamic ability of God that has given to his people via the Holy Spirit. How many of us would say that? How many of us would say today that we believe that we are walking in the richness and the fullness of everything that Jesus Christ paid for on that cross? Are we getting the sum total when God says the juice was worth the squeeze? The juice is only worth the squeeze if we are making the most of the juice. He says, I've given all things available to you that pertain to life and godliness. You want to know why I kind of feel like we don't tap into all things that pertain to life and godliness? Simply because I feel like we read this verse and we go, he's made all things available to us that pertain to life. And then we look at life and then we go, well, my life has looked like this. My life has looked like that. I've had this experience in my life. I've been to this many churches in my life. I've had this many prayers answered in my life. I've not had this many prayers answered in my life. I've seen some people say this, and I've seen, heard some people say that, and this has happened. And suddenly, because we have this crazy idea in our society today that life is not uh, life, but it's actually what has happened to us. Because in this moment, we can read this verse, let me explain that, we can read this verse, and we can go, he's made all things available to us in life. But suddenly, we're looking at our life and the experiences we've had instead of God's intention for life. 
So we read that, and it's like, yeah, he's made all things available to my life that pertain to my life. And we're missing it. We're missing it. We don't tap into all things that have been made available to us in life because we decide and we determine that life in this verse is going to be defined by our lives' experience rather than God's purpose for life. If we are going to understand what Peter means, what God means, why this is in the Bible this morning, that he's made all things available to us that pertain to life, we have got to begin to redefine our definition for life. Our definition for life cannot be our experience in life, but it has to be his intention for life. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. Our definition for life cannot fall to our experience of life. It must rise to his intention for life. Yeah. And why is that? Because here's the deal. The Bible wasn't written in English, and English fails. What this verse says, it's a Greek word, obviously. There's a Greek word for life. And the Greek word for life isn't Matt's life. It's not Zach's life. It's not Mikey's life. It's not Alex's life. And if I go back and look at it again, it's not Amy's life. It's not a leader of church's life. The definition for life in this moment is a word called zoe. Zoe. What does zoe mean? Zoe is a Greek word that literally translates to a God kind of life. Mm, yeah. A God kind of life. A life that Jesus himself even says in John 10, 10, it's the same word. He says, I have come not to give you life, but give you life to the full. Amen. When he says life to the full, he says a zoe kind of life, a limitless life, an unhindered life, a life that is overflowing, that is overthrowing the kingdom of darkness, that is overpouring from heaven and out of you onto those around you. A God kind of life. Zoe. And so we look at this, and we begin to define God's made all things available to us based on Matt's life. Well, Matt's been troubled, and Matt has lied, and Matt has been in, in serious trouble, and there's been things that have happened in his life, and he has cussed, and he has swore, and he has watched things that he shouldn't have, and he's been places that he shouldn't have, and he's taken things that weren't his. And Matt has led this kind of life, so surely what God is able to give to me is less than what God is able to give to someone who, like Adrian has lived an amazing spotless life. Except that's not what the scripture says. And so today, in American Christianity, our society, we begin to water down the word of God based on our experiences in life rather than raise our expectations in life to match the word of God. The life that Jesus went to the cross for you to have. Friends, get your expectations up. Get your hopes up. Get your faith up. Faith. Get it up. What are you believing for? What are you hoping for? What are you trusting in? What are you giving over to God? What are you asking for? How steadfast in that are you? How unmovable are you in it? Because friends, he has given the ultimate price, not just so that you could own a Prius. 
Not just so you can lead a Fortune 500 company. Not just so that you can raise your family up and train them in the way they should go. These are all good things, but they are scratching the surface of his blood. Because what was made available to you in the shed is all things that pertain to Zoe, a God kind of life. Yes. So what Peter says next is even more buckwell. Even more buckwell. Because he follows up Zoe life, Zoe, with this other word. And this word, I love. Because honestly, God, if God was ever like, hey, you should change the name of your church, this is the one that I would go with. I would name it after this Greek word, because this Greek word is everything to Matt McClure. This is amazing. It is this word called Eusebia. Starts with an E. Has a bunch of these in it. Eusebia. He says, pertains to life and godliness. Godliness. Eusebia. But see, here's the problem. Another reason we haven't tapped into the dynamic life that God has given to us, okay, if you're new with us this morning, Week one, explained it all. Jesus said, stay, be clothed, and dynamis, and then go to the other church. That's the whole deal. That's where we're coming out. But the whole reason that we don't tap into this thing, I believe, is because we have watered down. We live in a time and a place that we have literally taken the word godliness, and we have watered it down to being about mere morality. We have boiled down godliness to mere morality, except for the problem is this. Eusebia doesn't just mean uh, morality. It doesn't just mean, uh, our, there's, I think there's a difference between how we understand righteousness and what God meant when he said righteousness, but like our own you know, limited understanding of righteousness. Like Eusebia doesn't get boiled down to anything. It's an unboilable word. It's an unboilable definition. It is a word that needs to mark us, that needs to come over us, that needs to cover us, that needs to be what we live, breathe, and die for. Because it's not just godliness as we understand it. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Get out of here. That's <laughs> not true at all. But this Eusebia word literally means godliness, holiness, God-likeness. Right. God-likeness. Now, obviously, I should put a disclaimer in here real quick. No one in this sanctuary today, myself included, is uh, proclaiming to be God, a God, or anywhere close to God. I'm simply proclaiming what Jesus himself paid for on the cross. We are not God, but we are created in his image and likeness. He has given us his Holy Spirit. He's put his ability on the inside of us, and we have a responsibility to pursue it. Back to the message. Yes. God-likeness created in his image and likeness. You see, the problem with Eusebia and our limited understanding of these words is that we've taken holiness to mean morality. Oh, they're just such a holy person. They're such a godly person. Like, she's got a purity ring, and she goes to Bible study, and she has all of these, like, sweatshirts on. It's like, he's with me. I'm the daughter of a king. Like, she's just so holy and godly. Like, she's untouchable. She's so holy. Do you know how limited that is? When you look at what the word holy means, what godly means, it means to be literally set apart. Are you telling me 
we, and the only way that we are set apart from the rest of society is simply because we wait to have sex till we're married? Are you telling me that's what sets us apart? Or is it the God-likeness of Eusebia that needs to set us apart? I'm sorry. I don't need the dunamis power of God to be moral. That's what the Ten Commandments were for. Right. I don't need Jesus to go to the cross simply for me to be a moral person. Right. Jesus didn't go to the cross for my morality. He went to the cross so that I could be made like Jesus. Right. Jesus didn't go to the cross for your morality. He went to the cross so that you could be made like Jesus. You see, holiness is not morality-like. God is not morality-like. Godliness is not morality-like. Righteousness isn't just uprightness. See, holiness, godliness, godlikeness, Eusebia. We are called to be so set apart. It's not just because of how we behave behind closed doors. In fact, it probably has more to do with how we behave outside those doors. But it's not mere behavior as far as morality goes. I'm sorry. Just because you're moral doesn't mean you're powerful. Just because you have morality doesn't mean you have God's ability. Just because you're moral doesn't mean that you're powerful. And just because you have morality doesn't mean you have God's ability. You see, there is so much more. Jesus, when he went to the cross, this is what he's saying. Peter is saying he's pleading with the church in Asia. Yeah, all those dragons and stuff you guys believe that that's really cool and I like anime and that stuff's really awesome and comic books are dope. But God has made all things available to you that pertain to Zoe and Eusebia. A God kind of life, an overflowing kind of life, an unhindered kind of life. And power-like, holy-like, dynamis-like, ability-like, godly-like, godliness kind of life. Jesus didn't go to the cross to make you a better person. Jesus went to the cross to make you like him. Yes. It wasn't a cleanup job. It was a new creation job. Yes. It was a new creation job. You are something this world has never seen before. I mean, all things, you see. Friends, when we boil down holiness to mere morality, you will struggle and you will strive to be humble and to remain pure. Mm-hmm. But when you recognize, when you recognize that all things concerning Zoe and Eusebia have been made available to you, you don't struggle and strive for humility and to be pure. You are made humble and you are made pure. You don't struggle and strive for humility 
as if it's a moral compass that you live by. You don't struggle and strive for purity. You will be humbled. You will be made humble. The Holy Spirit will bubble up on the inside of you. Humility. Because you will understand who you are and why you're here. And it's out of that bubbling out that He will purify you. He will change you. And suddenly your motives change and your thoughts change. And it's less about me and more about him and less about what I want and more about him and less about my sexual needs and getting this thing going on and more about what God says is best for my life. Am I preaching to anybody? Amen. There's so many areas that we can take this through. It's less about my money in my bank account and more about what God's trying to do with his money in my bank account. Amen. We can take this every direction. Holiness. It's not morality. Because morality never gave us God's ability. That's why Jesus had to come. Yeah. He's not looking. He's not looking. He's not looking for sheep that are a little bit more cleaned up. He's looking for sheep that lead like shepherds. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. This is what he came and died, defeated hell for. So what did he say next? What did Peter say next? We throw it in the sky Bible. He said, Oh, she has granted to us his precious and very great promise, so that through them you may become partakers in the divine nature. Not so that you can partake in divine nature in heaven. Not so you can partake divine nature in your future. Not so you can partake your divine nature when you've had your Christian check card for church filled out and you've made it every single week for one year and you're a super soldier now. No! He gave it all up. Everything. His precious and very great promises so that through them, through them, you might become partakers in His dynamis divine, powerful, ability, nature. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And I love this. I love this. He is just making it emphatically clear that Christian morality doesn't cut it. What sets you apart is not your speech, dirty or clean. It's your speech, life or death. somebody who is disabled you're praying for them rather than just passing by and going oh that poor soul mm -hmm. no poor soul for you because we should be able to be a part of that miracle mm -hmm. holiness godliness Eusebia it's about a new nature 
Zoe life is about a new nature. It's about getting beyond your limited human understandings and actually going by what that Holy Spirit on the inside of you is saying. It's that moment where you feel empathy for somebody and you stop everything that you're doing, pull over on the side of the road just to speak with them. This is what it looks like. This is who we are called to be. We are partakers in the dynamis. Yes. But Peter, Peter understands humans really well, doesn't he? Peter understands humans really well because he's a very human person. We've seen his flaws. We've seen his wins. We've seen him walk on water with Jesus and then later deny Jesus. We've seen him do some amazing things and some sad things. Yeah. So he gets us. And so what happens next in this verse, because he understands our human condition so very much, is that he goes, this faith that you have, this new nature that you have, this godliness, godlikeness, this Eusebia, this Zoe that's been made available to you, it is not sustainable on your own. Right. You can't do this alone. It's been given to you. It's been gifted to you. It's been paid, bought, and purchased, signed, sealed, and delivered to you. It has been given to you by God. This is your assignment. This is your anointing. This is what he has made available to you. You have a divine appointment from heaven for you to walk in Zoe and Eusebia. But you need to supplement your faith. What? Pastor Matt, faith is enough. God is enough. Church is enough. What do I need to supplement for? What can I possibly need to supplement my faith for? Isn't God supposed to be enough? Isn't he supposed to be my everything? Isn't he supposed to be what sustains me and keeps me and propels me? And the answer to all those questions is yes. Right. But because we still are being, we're not perfect, we are being perfected. Because of that, we still have the ability to veer off track. Because of that, we still have appetites. When I think of supplementing our faith, I think of a trainer in the gym. I think of Zach. I think of Scott. I think of people who are going to say, these workouts are great. You're doing everything a Christian should be doing. But also, when you're outside the gym, there are things that you should be consuming and things that you should not be consuming. Right. There are some supplements that you need to take so that we can get the desired effect for your body. We have a desired outcome for your body. Friends, God has a desired outcome for your life. God has a desired spiritual well-being for your life. God has a desired marriage for your life. God has a desired sexuality for your life. God has desires for your life. And much like your physical body, there are things that we both need to consume to achieve that desired outcome. And there are things that we need to exude from our lives yes. to also achieve the desired outcome. Yes. There ain't no cheap meals with Jesus. Put that on a t-shirt, Temple Fitness. So what does Peter say? Because God's desired outcome, friends, I can't even tell you this today. And, and, and trust me, Easter is going to be wild. I'm so pumped to baptize. But there's a reason I'm not saving this little part right here for next Sunday. Wonder why? God's desired outcome for you 
is not that she would cuss a little bit less. God's desired outcome for you isn't that you would vote the right way. God's desired outcome for you isn't that you would share only specific media outlets on Facebook and start fights. God's desired outcome for you is, friends, I know it's hard here in West Michigan, is not just an amazing home in a suburb, okay? It's so much more than that. God's desired outcome for your life that he's asking you to supplement, to achieve, to get to, God's desired outcome for your life is Jesus. Yes. God's desired outcome is for your life is Jesus. God's desired outcome for your life is Jesus' life. God's desired outcome for your actions are Jesus' actions. God's desired outcome for your speech is Jesus' speech. God's desired outcome for your life is literally Jesus' life. He that knew no sin became sin so that some may live, okay? It's no longer I that live, but Christ that now lives through me. This is what this season is all about. God's desired outcome for your life is not a better version of Matt's life. It is Jesus. There's an identity of Jesus. There's a genre of Jesus. There's a mold of Jesus. This is what you are called to fulfill, who you are called to be. This is God's ultimate plan for your life, is what does Josh look like when he looks like Jesus? What does Mikey look like when he sounds like Jesus? What does Nikki sound like when she behaves like Jesus? It's all about Jesus. It's the whole reason he sent Jesus. It's the whole reason he gave his Holy Ghost, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit. It's the whole reason for this season. So, Matt, how do we get there? Well, we follow what Peter says. Because what Peter says is fuck wild. Okay? Or she don't call you guys up in a minute. Get your seatbelt on. Dude, Peter goes nuts, okay? You think I'm crazy with some of the things I say? Okay? Peter goes crazy. Peter says this. Yeah, something your faith with virtue. Yeah, supplement your faith with virtue. But here's the thing about virtue, okay? Here's the thing about virtue. This is the best part about virtue, okay? Virtue does not mean what we think it means, okay? Virtue does not mean what we think it means. He says you got to supplement your faith with virtue. And as Christians in America, we're going, well, don't you mean prayer? Don't you mean worship? Don't you mean reading our Bible? And Peter doesn't have time for that. This isn't about the basics. This is about dynamics. Okay? This isn't about the basics. This is about power. This isn't about the basics. This is about ability. Okay? Those things are lock, stock, and come default settings for the Christian. Okay? We worship. We pray. We praise. We read our Bibles. We're in community. We're a part of a church. This is what the church does. Okay? Christians, you and me, that comes stock. He says, for this kind of faith, though, in your new nature, all things, life, zoe, Godliness, Eusebia, all these things, you got to supplement your faith with virtue. The reason I think he does this is because he understands humans so well. He said the Greek word for this virtue actually means responsibility, or sorry, righteousness. Actually means righteousness. We have to supplement our faith, our belief, our substance of things not seen but yet hopeful. We have to supplement these things that we're believing for, our prayers, our humans, our words of knowledge, our words of faith, all of these things that we believe God has given us, the fact that we can cast out demons, the fact that we can speak to someone's heart right where they are, and it can be that one word that just breaks them open on the inside for God to rule and reign in their lives. Yes. This is what this is about. He's saying, that's the faith you want. 
that's the faith you want, more than what you've seen in America, more than what you've just heard about in pockets of the rest of the world, that's the faith you want. You need to supplement it with virtue. Why does he say that? I think it's because today's day and age, a lot more of us, let me put it this way, there is one thing that will take a Christian out quicker than any devil or demon in hell. Do you want to know what that is? Yes. Peter says supplement your faith by being virtuous because so many of us have fallen to being sensuous. God's calling us to the place of being virtuous. But so many of us have fallen for sensuous. You see, a lot of us were trying to live faith-filled, but we haven't been being faithful. A lot of us are trying to live faith-filled without being faithful. You see, we are already a righteous people. It's not I that lives. Christ lives through me, right? right. So I am already the righteousness of Christ. That's the Eusebia. That's the Zoe. That's this whole part. This is our new identity, right? But when we begin to live, instead of being virtuous, we live sensuous. Suddenly, we now live and occupy a place of division. And you cannot live divided if you want to live unanimous. You cannot live divided if you want to live dunamis and yeah. friends. Yeah. I know that's a hard bar, that we need to live virtuous instead of sensuous, and that so many of us fall into sensuality. But when I say that, hear me. I don't just mean sex. I think when we hear the word sensuous, we mean sex. Right. I mean we have to live virtuous over sensuous. Because one is supplementing our faith, the other one is subtracting our faith. You are either supplementing your faith or you are subtracting from your faith. Virtuous, sub, virtuous, good. Sensuous, subtracting, supplementing. But sensuous isn't just sex. Sensuous in its definition, in its very nature, is being in a place, in a position in life where you live based off the physical around you instead of the spiritual that's within you. You make decisions based off the natural that's happening around you instead of the supernatural that's happening within you. Oh, yes. yes. What are you driving? What are you being driven by? What is driving you? Is it sensuality? Or is it virtue? I tried to use virtuality once, but uh, that actually is a different word. Hmm. We are called to supplement our faith with virtues and not sensuous. And then Peter, worship team, you can make a way up here. And then Peter, he felt on the vibe with me for a minute. This vibe, so See, Peter, though. Peter understands humans so well because we, we hear virtue and we get this definition and man, it's just like, how do I live my righteous? What does it look like? And Peter, Peter says this. I'm not on. I turned it off. Oh. <laughs> as, if you, as if I need it. I mean, you're pretty loud. So. Come on, somebody. And so, he says this. He says, supplement your virtue 
You're going to build it up there. Virtue with knowledge. Yes. With knowledge. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. You have a Father in heaven who's giving you his word. Amen? He's giving you his word. And he's also giving you his Holy Spirit. But the reason we have to supplement our faith with virtue and our virtue with knowledge is because so many of us, the reason we're falling for the trap of sensuous is because we don't know what's virtuous and what's sensuous. We need the knowledge. We need to be in prayer with our Father. We need to be in worship. We need to be in our Bible. We need to be in communion. Yes. You need to be getting knowledge. You need to go to your dad and go, Father God, is this sensuous or is this virtuous? Is how I feel about my mother sensuous or virtuous? Is how I feel about the way this country is going? Is it sensuous or virtuous? Right. What is leading me right now, right. God? What is happening on the inside of me? What is the chaos that's ruling and reigning within me? Is it virtuous, a godly, righteous anger? Or am I just being controlled by the media and the narrative of things that are happening in yes. the sensuous world yes. around me? This thing's far less about what's going on around you and more about what's going on within you. Because yes. Peter knew, Peter knew, we have a question for knowledge too. So what did he say? Knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? With self-control. Yep. I can't be moved from this. 
I can't be shaken from this. This is my fixed point. This is where my gaze is. Everything Jesus is is everything I am going to pursue. Everything he's done is everything I'm going to pursue. How he lived his life, how he spoke, how he taught, how he preached, what he did, the miracles before him, all of these things. And I can toss them. If he can toss them out, I'm going to toss them out. If he's going to curse the victory, I'm going to curse the victory. If he's going to deliver demons, I'm going to deliver demons. If he's going to bring a boy back to life, I'm going to bring a boy back to life. This is my gaze, and I will not be moved from it. If virtue my gaze, I will not be moved from it. If knowledge is my gaze, I will not be moved from it. If steadfast is my gaze, self-control is my gaze, I will not be moved from it. I will arrange my life in such a way that I will be immovable away from my goalpost. How do we do that? How do I do that? It sounds like a lot of work. It just be so much easier if you did it for me. He says, this is a trick. He says, steadfast. Something your steadfastness with godliness.
different places and different backgrounds and different experiences. And we're all being perfected together. But offense can come and take place. Why love is needed is because love gives way to his presence. Without love, his presence is not present. But when his presence is present, forgiveness is there. Humility is there. Repentance is there. Apologies are there. The ability to speak to somebody and say, hey, what you did, how you corrected me, how you challenged me, that really hurt me. I know your heart, but I heard your words. And vice versa. We're better together, but we are champions in love together. Amen. Amen. You guys can stand up with me. He says, therefore, let all these things be increasing. 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 That means there's no level of virtue that you're going to get to that you don't need to raise the bar. There's no level of steadfastness that you don't need to keep going. There's no level of brotherly love that you don't need to keep just giving out. There's no love that you don't need to show eventually. Like, you don't tap this thing out. It doesn't get capped off. It needs to be increasing. And Peter ends it with this. You need to be diligent in all of these things. Diligent isn't a word that we really understand, but friends, you cannot be partakers if you are not caretakers. You cannot partake in what you do not believe in. If I preach to anybody this morning, we have to be diligent. we got to be diligent about virtue. we got to be diligent about knowledge. we got to be diligent about self-control. we got to be diligent. Who would have heard that in 2021 anywhere else? Diligent about self-control? And I promise you this. So way you save me up. Godliness, holiness, godlikeness, what Jesus will be able to do in and through your life will be worth everything he's asking you to do. The life that are transformed through your obedience, your diligence, and their shouts in heaven. Your praise party is happening. Hell is trembling. You were set apart to partake. You, no matter who you are this morning, whether you know Jesus yet in this moment or not, you were set apart. Let me speak a little destiny over you. person who may not know Jesus yet but wants to right now, you were set apart to partake in the dynamic nature of God. Amen. Amen. So let's worship. Let's lift our hands. Let's praise. Let's sing. And let's get ready to let God rule and reign in this place. Holy Spirit, worship team, you begin singing. Holy Spirit, come. Have your way right now. Remind us of who you are, whose we are, and what we are here for. God, we want to respond out of your purpose for life, not our experience for life. God, give us a revelation of so Oh! 